My name is Aaron Stern. I'm the lead pastor here, if you're brand new with us. And I want to take a moment and welcome everybody who might be joining us online. So can we just give a big warm welcome uh, and thank you for being with us. Uh, we love connecting with you via technology. Before we jump into the message today, uh, I want to invite any teacher or administrator, whether it be elementary, middle, high school, college, uh, could be working in the district, whatever, um, to be here next week. We are going to take a moment and uh, pray for you. We'd love to send you into the school year. I, tomorrow's August, everybody. School is right around the corner. And, and so, so we want to send you and bless you as you move into the school year uh, as a house. And so uh, if, if you have a friend that's maybe not here, somebody that works in the school system, whatever, um, we'd love to have you here, not only to pray for you, but also to send you into the school year with a gift. All right? So next Sunday. Any American Idol fans in the house? All right, one, great. Anybody ever been an American Idol fan? Like you've you got hooked into a season? Yeah, all right, okay. Uh, that happened to me and Jossie and our boys a few years ago, and uh, it was the 2013 season. Nicki Minaj was one of the uh, judges. She's a pop singer for anybody that's unfamiliar. It was season 12 of American Idol. And whenever she, regularly, whenever she uh, liked one of the singers, her response or comment to them was, I am obsessed with you. I am obsessed with your voice. I am obsessed with your stage presence. I'm obsessed with your pitch. I'm whatever. I'm obsessed with you. I found that to be an interesting comment. But as followers of Jesus, we are to be obsessed with the teachings of Jesus and the way of Jesus, which means that we're going to pay special attention to his most comprehensive teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew's, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We started this series going through those three chapters in the beginning of February. We will finish the end of chapter 7 at the end of October. We are slowly walking through these chapters because we want to make sure that we're really hearing and settling into the words of Jesus. And so today we start a a little sub-series as we go on the back half of chapter 6 called In God We Trust. As we look at where our trust might be, and if it isn't found in the right places, what our lives might look like. Now, we might say we trust in God, but in reality, oftentimes our our life looks more like, in my reputation, I trust, or in my bank account, I trust, or in my education or intelligence, I trust, or in my my winning personality and charm, I trust, or in my, my career, I trust, in my family, I trust, in my government, I trust. But Jesus is saying that it is to, our trust is to be in God. We start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 today, where Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus starts 
this part of the Sermon on the Mount with a do not statement, which is one of four. There's three more to come. He starts today with do not store up treasure on earth. Uh, Later in chapter 6, he says do not worry. In chapter 7, he says do not judge. And then later on after that, he says do not throw your pearls before pigs. Four do not statements. We're focusing on the first one today. Now, when he says do not, it is not like a, uh, you know, if you, if you think about it, don't. It is in the command form. So, and it's similar to, like, do not commit adultery. Another way of saying it or communicating the, the emphasis of it would be stop. Stop storing up your treasures in heaven. A command given with some urgency. Now, Jesus addresses money and possessions, not just in this one little, uh, little passage here in the Sermon on the Mount, but throughout His teachings throughout the Gospels. It was a regular and consistent theme that He addressed. And the reason was because wealth can choke apprenticeship to Jesus and corrupt the soul. Jesus was very interested in showing people the path of life and the way to participate in the kingdom of God. He was also interested in communicating the things that would, that would distract or cause people to run out of or leave engaging the path of life in the kingdom of God. So if we're honest with ourselves here today, this is an important message for all of us living in such a wealthy country and time of history as we do. It's a challenging teaching of Jesus. You might say, well, I'm not wealthy. That's for so-and-so, or that's for so-and-so. It's interesting that all, all of us or many of us in the room would probably think, oh, that's for, I, I'm, I'm middle class, this is for the upper class. Oh, I'm, I'm lower middle class, this is, for, this is for the upper middle class. This is for the, the, I'm lower upper class, this is for the upper upper class. This is for Bill Gates, this is for Jeff Bezos, you know, I mean, But don't check out because you wouldn't consider yourself wealthy. Don't check out because somebody else might not consider you wealthy. Because what Jesus is talking about here today is applicable to whether you have a lot or you have a little. Wealth can take a hold of us and corrupt our soul whether whether we have a lot of things or we don't have a whole lot of things. We can be focused on and make idle money an idol even if we don't have much. And so today Jesus is going to get up in your business. <laughs> there wasn't any clapping about that. <laughs> but if we let him get up in our business and mess with us, I truly believe that this can be a transformative message and series for all of us. Now, Jesus wasn't just challenging us here in the West in 2022. This was a challenging message for those sitting on the hillside, though there was not a lot of people on the hillside who would have been very wealthy. A lot of the people that were listening to him today, though some, some would have been wealthy, but there was a many or most of the, those on the hillside that would not have been considered wealthy. But there was a perspective in his particular day that wealth was seen as a sign of, a fa- of favor from God. That to have a lot of things, to have a, a nicer car, first century car, uh, then, then you would have had favor from God. 
And Jesus is challenging that idea as well. And he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now this store up, what does that mean? Does it mean we can't have a storage unit? Does it mean you can't put things in your basement? Does it mean you can't store things? The, the, the better translation of store up is treasure. It's actually a play on words in first century Hebrew, and uh, Greek, excuse me, do not treasure up treasures. Don't treasure up treasures on earth. Jesus is not saying don't treasure anything. That would be more of a Buddhist philosophy. Jesus is aware that treasures is something that we do or treasure something because we're human. Treasure is not the issue. To treasure something is normal and human. Uh, and, and we all treasure different things. Uh, one of my boys had a little blanket, blanky thing when he was really young and kept it for a long time. It was this little square of, I mean, after a while, it was hardly held together. But it was so valuable to him. When he couldn't find it, it was not a good day. Worth anything? Like, could we sell it? No. But was it worth something? It was a treasure to him. But Jesus is saying, you've got to pay attention to the treasure and ask this question, can moths and vermin destroy it or thieves break in and steal it? Or maybe another way of saying is, can you lose it? Because if you can, then it's doomed. Uh, maybe the cliche applies here, you can't take it with you. See, the treasure isn't the issue. The location where we store it is the issue, he's saying. Because right after this, he says, do store up treasures in heaven. He's saying, don't treasure the wrong things. This is really a passage about priorities. Money. Money cars, reputation, relationships can all become treasures, can be the things that we're storing up. Country can be a treasure. Experiences, grades, security, kids, kids' activities, comfort. Good things that can become ultimate things. And when they become ultimate things, we end up storing them in the wrong place. Good things becoming ultimate things which the Scripture calls idolatry. That we've made it into an idol and put it into the center of our hearts and the center of our lives. There's a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes that addresses this idea. Solomon, who was wealthy beyond measure, writes a book about trying to find fulfillment in all these different things. Work, pleasure, things, sex, joy and partying. And at the end of all of these, he says it's meaningless. Now, is he saying that they don't have any meaning or we shouldn't enjoy them? No, he's talking about how he tried to find the infinite in the finite. And as a result, it was meaningless. He's not saying, and the Scripture doesn't say, don't enjoy things. He's not saying you don't enjoy a, 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 a nice meal or don't enjoy a nice car. Or don't it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't try to find fulfillment in it. German theologian Paul Tillich calls it thingification. Don't get caught up in thingification, turning to things for fulfillment. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 by saying, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. 
Or Jim Carrey, the actor, says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, pastor and theologian, wrote, The roots of our hearts have grown down into things, and we dare not pull up the rootlet lest we die. Things have become necessary to us, a development never originally intended. God's gifts now take the place of God, and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. So it is for this reason, our our tendency to put our roots down into things, our tendency to worship the created rather than the creator, our tendency towards thingification. It is for this reason that Jesus wants us to be suspicious of our wealth and possessions. Are we suspicious when we get a raise or get a big bonus? (laughs) Somebody said, no, I am not. (laughs) Are we suspicious of what it might do to us? Are we suspicious when we get a new car? Are we suspicious when we get new shoes? Are we suspicious? Do we wonder? See, because Jesus says this, Matthew 19, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. If it's hard, seems like we should be suspicious. Is Jesus calling all of us to a life of poverty? No. He calls some. He told one guy in the New Testament to sell everything that he owned. So it seems like that is something for someone. But is that what he's calling us to? No, I think another passage of Scripture, Matthew 13, the parable of the seeds on the particular different types of soils says this, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful meaning there's something about our possessions and wealth that has a deceptive quality to it. There's something about it that somehow causes us to get in more connected to it than maybe we even realize. Is Jesus saying we can't own anything? No. Jesus is saying don't let your possessions possess you. I'd actually like to suggest that followers of Jesus aren't permitted to possess anything because anything we legally own belongs to God. It's not ours. We don't possess it. God does. We just happen to be stewards. And we carry around a lot of wealth sometimes and we don't even think anything of it. Anybody got any, who's got gift cards? Anybody got a collection of gift cards with them? You got like in your purse or your wallet, like a, like a stack. Any, anybody got a stack of gift cards? Anybody? Okay, you've got some. Okay, anybody else? Anybody? Just, just put your hand up in the air, okay? All right. All right, great. Let me, I'm going to come talk to you. <laughs> some of you are, keep your hand up. Some of you are regretting raising your hand, I think. All right, who's got your hand up? All right, hand up. You got a stack of gift cards with you, like a stack. Okay. Hi. Name? Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Good to see you. Mike? 
her husband sitting next to her, looking the other way. <laughs> he was like, I have no gift cards. How many do you have? I only have two in here now. Only two, okay. Mm, mm, okay. Anybody else got a stack of gift cards? Over there. Okay. All right. Down here. How many do you have? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Walk around here. Look, did you hear everybody? Whoa. All right. Um, can I get you to stand up and... Here, Quancha, can you join me here on the aisle? All right. All right, name? Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. How many gift cards do you have there? I've got, right here, I've got six. Okay. Meaning you have more somewhere else? Maybe a couple more, seven. Seven, and do you have more at home? More at home? Mm, okay, I got eight. Eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Final number nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what's, what's the oldest one in there? Probably two and a half years. Okay. Which one is that? Big Spoon Creamery in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else you got there? That's gonna... <laughs> I've got Noodles and Company. I have $5 on a Shell gift card can get me a tank of gas, or not a tank, a gallon. Not one gallon. <laughs> yeah. American Eagle, Into Juice, Panda Express, another noodle. Two noodles. Okay. I love noodles. Qdoba and McDonald's. Okay. Can I have that noodles card? How, mu how much is on here? Probably. If it's been used, maybe not a lot. <laughs> I'd say probably, probably $10. $10. Can I have the other noodles? How much is on this one, do you think? Another time. Okay, so we have $20 in noodles. Mm -hmm. uh, you, can I give this away? You can't. I can't guarantee that there's actually $10 on there, <laughs> but you can give it away. All right. Um, anybody's birthday today? Tuesday? Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Anybody? Who's, who's here for the first time today? All right. Over here. Okay. Thank you, Rebecca. Okay, who's first time? Okay, what's your name? Hello, Selah. Okay, we, whenever you, people meet you, do they just like pause for a moment? Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. Enjoy noodles. Yeah. Um, anybody got $200? Nobody's raising their hand. Okay, I want to acknowledge a couple of things. First of all, you're like, oh, he's giving her stuff away. I did that in the first gathering. It was $60 worth of gift cards. People came up to me afterwards. Did you give those gift cards back to that lady? No. It's kind of the point. The point is, like, I want to, that, that's not, that's hers. No, it's not. $200, $300, who's got 500 bucks? All of a sudden, we're like, no, 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 no. That's, that's the point. That's what, I, that's what Jesus is getting at. He's getting at that, like, no, that's mine. 
No, that's hers. That belongs. Of course we own things. But he's trying to get at how much is your like heart connected to it? How much do you say, that's mine, don't touch it? And maybe it's not a gift card. Maybe it's not $200. But what is it? Is there anything? That's what Jesus is after in this passage. The priorities of our hearts and our lives. Is it, is it hooked to something that is good and a gift from God? But at the end of the day, will go away. Is it hooked to something and always storing up things that's in the wrong place? Our treasures are revealed by what we protect, what we hoard, what we would be anxious to lose. The thought of losing it might even bring up some anxious feelings. And so Jesus wants to address the treasure, the normalcy of treasuring as a human by giving the antidote which says, instead, treasure or treasure up treasures in heaven. Now, Jesus is not talking about a reward waiting for you after you die. Jesus, when he talks about heaven, is talking about a present reality. The reality of heaven, not a place and not a place that you go after you die. Heaven is where, this is what N.T. Wright, British theologian says, heaven is where God is right now. And where, if you learn to love and serve God right now, you will have treasure in the present. Not just in the future. As with other references to heaven and earth, we shouldn't imagine he means, don't worry about this life, get ready for the next one. The kingdom of heaven, the scripture says, and Jesus uses all these different parables and stories all throughout the gospels to illustrate the value of the kingdom of God. Specifically, he uses a particular parable where he says the kingdom of, of heaven is like a, somebody who is digging in a field and finds a treasure so much so that he covers it back up, he goes and sells all that he owns in order to buy the field in order to have the treasure in the field. That's what it's like. That valuable. Worth everything. If we're going to treasure the kingdom, it means that we treasure the king of the kingdom. Too often we live in a world today that treasures the kingdom without the king. Wants to have the fruit without the root. But in order to treasure the kingdom, it means that we treasure the king. But having the treasure of Jesus... Do we really believe that Jesus is the greatest treasure? Do we really believe that Jesus and his kingdom are far more valuable in this life than any treasure the world might offer to us? It's a hard one for us, if we're really honest. Because we live in a world that has a hard time valuing that which is unseen. One particular theologian says that this is because of a last lack or loss of transcendence that was, has been uh, uh, put onto us or cultivated in our culture because of the enlightenment and the infiltration of the enlightenment over the last couple hundred years, meaning that we, 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 we value and put our heart and our life and our meaning into the things that we can feel, touch, see, smell, 
etc. But we have a hard time valuing fulfillment and meaning and the idea of uh, that a world is enchanted. Enchanted and by the, by the living God. That there's something going on more than just what we see, feel, or can understand in our minds. But what happens if we lose transcendence is it leads to a hunger for pleasure and power. That's where we find meaning and fulfillment because, because we can feel it, we can taste it, we can experience it. But the cure to, a, to hunger for pleasure and power is to reposition Jesus and His kingdom and His inbreaking kingdom at the center of our lives. Which is why Jesus ends this little couple of verses with, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Notice how He doesn't say where your mind is, there your treasure will be also. Where your heart, which is in stark contrast then to Descartes, I think, therefore I am. Jesus, if we were to say what Jesus has to say in response to that, he would say, I love, therefore I am. James K. Smith, a a professor and theologian, wrote a book called You Are What You Love. He says, we are not primarily thinkers, but lovers. We are defined by our affections. When Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, the definition of the word heart here is not warm, fuzzy feelings. It's devotion Dedication. Where, is your dev- where does your devotion lie? What are you devoted to? Which means that what Jesus is talking about here is not just an idea to embrace, but a reality to embody. Meaning that, that in order for this to be true for our lives, it's going to look like something in our lives. It is going to look like we are putting treasures in heaven. It is going to look different than somebody who's putting treasures and storing up treasures on earth. So where do you want your heart to go? Where do you want your heart to be? Invest there, like real time with real money and time and resources and energy and effort. Like actually put in your time and energy there. Where are maybe some places that Jesus would encourage us to put our energy and our time and our resources into community, into relationships, because following Jesus is a we life, not a me life. He would encourage us to serve the poor, the marginalized, to give our time, energy, and resources away to those who are less fortunate and in great need. He would encourage us to place our our time and energy into the people of God, into the gathering of God, into the gathering of God's people. To put our energies into generosity over hoarding, into prayer versus scrolling, into practices maybe like silence and solitude rather than shopping. Now, All of these things, it's not like, oh, you should never shop. Or peacemaking versus avoiding. See, to practice the way of Jesus is to store up treasures in heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. 
follow my way, be obsessed with the way of Jesus, and you will be storing up treasures in heaven. And that's what he's calling us to. That's what the invitation is. There's a family here at Mill City that has loaned uh, Jossie and I and our four boys their RV for family vacation on a periodic basis. And he said to me, that's a pretty significant thing to loan. But he said to me, he said, you know, I learned something a long time ago that I've tried to live out. And that is, if you can't loan it, you shouldn't own it. What a powerful way to live to make sure that the, the thingification isn't happening. And the beautiful thing about some of the things that I just mentioned, community, gathering with the people of God. The scripture says that, that God inhabits the praises of his people. Community, the scripture says where two or three are gathered, I am there with you. The scripture says that when we give to the poor, when we've given a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty, we've given it to Jesus. They're what I like to call guaranteed places of encounter. The scripture says, you do those things, you will meet Jesus there. There's four, actually. The last one is suffering. Which means that you and I can walk in here on a Sunday morning knowing I don't know if I'm going to get any goosebumps. I don't know how I'm going to feel, but I'm going to meet Jesus today. That's from, that should build some pretty serious expectation. Why do we do serve day? Because we're storing up treasures in heaven. And you know who we interacted with this last week? Jesus. The treasure, the ultimate treasure. Investing in the kingdom of God and you find the king in the kingdom. Jesus is there. Why do we pray a week of prayer, 21 days at the beginning of the year? Because we're, in, we're interested in not only meeting with Jesus, but Jesus saying, calling out with desperation, Jesus, we want you here. Because Jesus comes where he's wanted and welcomed. So our weekly practice, at the end of every message, you'll hear a weekly practice. There's unique steps for each one of us, but, but there's something that I want all of us to do together as a formational practice. And this week, I want each, every one of us to think about giving away something that we don't want to give away. Now, give away some, I didn't say don't, I didn't say give away something you don't want. Give away something you don't want to give away. For some of you, you know exactly what it is. For some of you, it's just going to be paying attention throughout this week. This last week, um, I was, I was hung, really hungry. I hadn't eaten. It was past dinner time. And when I get hungry, I get hangry. Ask my wife and kids. And, and so I, somebody gave me a, a meal from a restaurant and it needed to be warmed up, so I had it in my car, and I was so excited to get home to, get, to warm it up. And, 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 but I stopped for gas on my way home and, and started pumping gas. As I, as I got out of my car, I noticed a, a homeless man sitting on the side of the curb next to the gas station. And I thought about my, 
meal in the front seat of my car. And I thought, no. So I'm pumping gas, standing next to the pump in my car. Like, I don't want to. I am so hungry. I've been looking forward to that. I love that food. And I'm wrestling. I'm like, just do it. So finished pumping gas. I grab the box out of the front of my car. And as I walk over to him, I see he's got like, like a half a sandwich or something like that next to him. So I turned around. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I walked up to him and I said, hey, I got some extra food here. Would you like it? I'm just praying that he would say no. And he says, yes. I'm like, oh, here you go. This is a meal from a restaurant here in town. He's like, oh, thanks, man. I introduced myself and got his name and talked to him for a bit and, and drove home. And I thought, that was harder than I would like to admit. Not realizing, man, that was little, just a small thing. And I had food at my house. But I thought, oh, there's, there's something there. And it could be small things like a little meal. It could be something bigger. It can be something significant. And we don't always know, but one of the ways that we know is when we give it away or we, we let go. In 2010, God started to stir my heart and Jossie's heart about leaving the place where we lived in Colorado Springs. Long story short, God called us to plant this church in Fort Collins. Well, both of us had grown up in Colorado Springs and we had been there and worked at the church that I worked at there as a college pastor for 11 years. And so roots were down deep and lots of relationships and all this. And as we, I remember stepping off of staff and we hadn't started anything yet. We were just trying to build a little team here. And, and I, I started to freak out. I started having some anxiety attacks and started just, just couldn't think straight and I've told some of that story before, and I'll, I'll tell it in some future weeks, but, but as I've reflected on why, why was I getting so like nervous and anxious? And as I was able to be honest with myself, I realized I am more addicted to security and comfort than I thought. I was addicted to the, to the security of a paycheck from a big organization that I had no worries were going to go away as I, as I plant and start something wondering if, if anybody's going to give. And, wonder, and knowing my paycheck's based on that. The comfort of just the ease of life and how it went and where to go and how to do my job and all that, it was, it was pretty easy. My reputation... I had a reputation in Colorado Springs, and I'd walk into a coffee shop. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Good to see you. Hey, let me buy your coffee. It was wonderful. I'd walk up, I'd come up here and walk into a coffee shop. Nobody says that. And I'm like, oh, man, I missed that. Didn't realize how addicted to a reputation I had become, how addicted to security of wealth and comfort I had become. And I'm so grateful for the ways in which I had to let that go in order to follow Jesus because it, 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 it revealed something in me. 
I don't want my treasure there. And see, we follow a rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, who was unconcerned with wealth. He was unconcerned with his reputation. Isaiah says that Jesus was a man of no reputation. He was unconcerned with comfort and security. So if we are going to be apprentices to Jesus, that means then that we follow him. It doesn't mean that we may or may not have things. It just means whether or not we're going to be overly concerned about them. And so the question I want us all to sit in, in now and in throughout this week is, am I storing up treasures in the wrong place? Where am I storing up my treasures? Am I storing up treasures in heaven? How obsessed with the way of Jesus am I? How aware am I of the wrestle of giving away that food or where my time is? Jesus' invitation for all of us today is to step into, in greater way, the kingdom of God. And to value not just the kingdom, but the king. And for some of you here today, maybe this is your first time in church or first time in a long time, the invitation of the Holy Spirit might be to cross the line of faith and to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. To put the weight of your life on him. To say, you are my treasure. And what you do and what you're up to and where you're going and what you're calling me to is what I want my life to be all about. And if that's you here today, it is stepping across that line of faith and entering into the kingdom of God and a journey of with the king is simple. It is a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I trust you. It is the beginning of a journey that is amazing and fulfilling and Jesus will reach down and touch the deepest places of meaning and fulfillment. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. It might actually be exceptionally difficult. But Jesus is inviting us to follow his way and for our lives to belong to him. I don't know what that means for you. For some of you, it means surrendering your life to Jesus. For others, it means loosening your grip on your finances. For others, it means loosening your grip on things you own that you need to start loaning or giving away. It means opening your eyes to needs and saying, how can I be a part of meeting those? Giving away your time. Whatever the case might be, would you allow the Holy Spirit to stir those things in each one of us in order that we might say yes. So then take a moment and pray for us all here this morning. Father, we need you. And I pray that each one of us would be obsessed with the way of Jesus, with your teaching, Jesus, who you are, how you treated people, the way that you interacted with money and wealth, the way that you interacted with power, the way that you interacted with, with enemies and those who were causing problems and, and, and all suffering, all the things, God, I pray that we would be, we would be focused on you and not just get an idea of what that means in our minds, but that our heart would go there and our body would go there. And that our lives would look like, wow, they're, they're doing something a little countercultural, where they're storing up their treasure.
May that be true of us. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we not do this in our own, try to do it in our own strength, but would you, Holy Spirit, empower us to live the way that you've called us to live. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said,